Okay, welcome to another Jesus Rant, Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 2, Episode 20, Draw Nigh. And I want to talk about kind of, I guess, like, I'm sure you've heard, and maybe even given this advice, I've certainly heard it many times, when, when you ask somebody what they think you should do, and they know that either they're religious or you're religious or spiritual or whatever you want to call it a lot of times a lot of times they'll just say well did you pray about it and i'm not you know i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that of course you should pray my favorite bible verse in the whole entire bible is pray without ceasing uh i am a fan of talking to god and listening to god we're actually going to touch on that in just a minute but a lot of times i feel like when you're going to somebody to get advice is because you want to know what they think. And sometimes that can get us in trouble. Sometimes we're just going to them hoping for like an echo chamber, hoping to hear what we want to hear, hoping that they'll say what we think. And and a lot of times we just want our feelings validated rather than wanting actual advice. But today in this podcast episode, I really want to talk about the idea of, and again, I'm not saying, well, just pray about it, but really, truly, honestly, drawing close to God. And and I want to talk about what that means and how we do it and how we can kind of get to a place where instead of, well, I'm out here trying it on my own, but I need some advice, so I'll go see what God says about it. Instead of that, we will have more of an attitude of praying without ceasing. We will have more of an attitude of including God in every aspect in every part of our life. And I say this all the time, God does not want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life because he is life. But kind of the uh, kind of the problem is uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, which says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And again, I feel like a lot of times that's kind of how we operate. Like we'll do our own thing until we get into trouble and then we need advice and then we need to break glass in case of emergency. Then we need to draw nigh or draw close to God. And and I want to make this as, as clear and as simple and as powerful as I can. God is there for you no matter what. He will help you out with a mess that you have made. If you get to a position where you feel like you need to go to him, please go to him. That's the right thing to do. However, there's a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is instead of trying to do it your own way until you find that you can't, just simply include and involve him all the time, every day in every way. Have that attitude of praying without ceasing. Have that attitude of gratitude where instead of trying to get something that you think you haven't got by being someone that you're not, you can instead embrace and accept who you are and you can be who you are by letting God be who he is in you and through you and as you. That's what we talked about uh, either last week or the week before. I can't remember right now, but we talked about, you know, the whole idea of Christ in you coming out of you. That's the whole point of this whole thing. It's not about becoming somebody you're not. 
It's about understanding who you are, who you really are, which again is is Christ in you. Jesus is our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. So my key verse for today, which I hope kind of uh, is the solution to the problem. Let me read the problem again in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I feel like that's the problem we find ourselves in all the time. We try to, you know, I, I, I think some of us maybe try to strike a balance, but really the the best thing you can do is to have God included all the time. When you're working for that paycheck that you need to pay your bills, listen, Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. And I truly believe that. I'm on board with that. I work, uh, you know, that that's what life is. You work for a living. But while you're doing that work, you don't leave Jesus at home, right? You bring Jesus with you. You act in a godly manner no matter where you are, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, no matter where you are. You, you show people who God is every day in every way by loving them the way he has loved you. And you can do that at work. You don't have to stop serving God when you're at work. It's not about finding a balance. It's about simply being who you are all of the time. So to me, to, uh, to kind of see the solution to the problem of serving two masters, we see James chapter 4, verse 8. In the King James Version, which is where I got the uh, title for this message from, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sin- ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And remember that term double-minded because we're going to come back to that because that's an important piece of this puzzle here. It's Again, it's it's the double-mindedness of being you know pulled in two directions between quote-unquote God and quote-unquote the world. It's the idea that uh, you know we can do things our way and leave God out of it. It's, it's being double-minded. Is God involved? Is God not involved? Even though he swore that he would never leave us or forsake us and he's always involved no matter what. And I think a lot of times he's involved behind the curtain. Uh, guiding us and protecting us and keeping us safe from all harm that we don't even know about. I think, uh, I know for a fact that God has delivered me from some things in my life that, you know, I, I didn't pray for him to deliver me from, or I didn't, you know, uh, try to get him involved in. I know that a lot of times he was just simply there for me, just just taking care of me like a loving father takes care of his, his children. And I do the same thing for my kid. If I can make things, you know, easier and safer and better for him, I don't need him to know about it. I just do it. That's the heart of a father. But I actually want to read in the New Living Translation, I want to read the, uh, the whole passage here in James chapter 4. I want to read verses 1 through 10. And the heading is Drawing Close to God. And starting in James chapter 4, verse 1, it reads, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And a quick aside here, uh, Jesus you know, said in another place, and I think Paul wrote about it, uh, he said, you know, knock uh, and the door will be open to you. Seek and you will find. He said, whatever you ask for in my name will be given unto you. 
which is why I think a lot of people end their prayers with, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, which is fine. I'm not, you know, I'm not religious about it. But really what that means is when you ask for something in Jesus' name or his nature, if you ask for what he would ask for, God will give it to you because he has, in fact, already given it to you. So, again, we see this whole unfortunate idea of trying to get what we think we haven't got by being someone we're not, by scheming and killing to get it, by waging war and taking it from others. None of that's godly. None of that's holy. None of that's righteous. None of that's, you know, love. Getting is, love is never about getting because love is giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So if you're worried about getting something from somebody, that's not love. If you're trying to scam somebody or scam something from somebody, that's not love. And a lot of times we dress it up that way and we say, well, well, I love you, so I need you to do this for me. That's not how love works. Love works like I love you, so I'm going to do this for you because I want to out of the, the love that's in my heart. Love doesn't work from I love you, so you have to do this for me. That's not love. That's not how love works. That's guilt and condemnation and, and trickery and obligation. And I don't like any of those things. I think you should do things heartily because they're in your heart to do it. And you should do them heartily to the best of your ability. But let's keep going with this. In verse 3 it says, And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. Yeah, there it is. Uh, we're not asking in God's in Jesus' name or his nature. Our motives are wrong. It says, you want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And there, literally, guys, is our saving grace. Because no matter how hard-headed we are, no matter how selfish we are, no matter how uh, worldly we are, he gives grace generously. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we, you know, when we start to get over ourselves, and, and I'm going to talk about this uh, in a little bit at the end, when we, uh, when we get over ourselves a little bit, and when we stop trying to do it our own way, if we stop trying to get what we think we need or what we want, and, you know, those are two very different things. What you need and what you want oftentimes are not even in the same zip code. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times we put what we want in front of what we need and we end up, you know, all out of whack and all out of sorts. But what I'm saying is, is even in those times when when we come to a place of uh, almost like a place of the prodigal son who he wanted his, you know, his inheritance early basically telling his father, I wish you were dead because I'd rather have money than have you. And his father gave it to him and he went out and he squandered it and he spent it and, and, and he, he, he blew it and, uh, and he hit rock bottom. And when he finally came to himself, he said, man, it would be better to live in daddy's house, even as a servant. At least then I would have, you know, food to, to eat and a place to sleep. So he went back home. And that's the whole point of this whole thing is coming back home. It's being humble it's, it's understanding that we can't do it ourselves. It's drawing nigh unto God and letting him do not only what he can do, but what he wants to do. Because I've preached this for many, many, many years. I believe God is, in large part, too much of a gentleman to force his will and his way upon you. There were times when God just did what needed to be done, like on the cross, for example, when he drew all men into himself and planted himself in all men. We didn't have anything to do with that. We didn't have a say about that. That was just God doing what needed to be done. 
But I think in large measure, while he will tell you, you know, the right, the right way to go, the right thing to, to do, uh, and he can be very persuasive, I don't think he forces that on you. I think at the end of the day, we have a measure of free will where we can choose which master we're going to serve. And, uh, and I always like to point out when I preach about stuff like this or rant about stuff like this, um, Matthew chapter six says, no one can serve two masters, but you will serve one master. That's just kind of the way that it is. So in my opinion, it's, it's, you know, it behooves us to choose the right master, which of course is God and not, not mammon or, or money. So after he says, uh, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So we see this picture and we see this idea of no matter how hard we try to do things on our own to get what we think we haven't got or to get what we want through any of the various nefarious ways, uh, the, the, the more excellent way, the right way, the God way to do things is to humble yourself and to draw close to him, to, to you know, have sorrow and remorse for those things you have done. And I tell my son, He's so sensitive. I tell him this all the time. I'm like, bub, feel what you feel, but don't let it control you. You you can feel sorrow for the wrongs that you've done, but you don't have to let those things pull you down or drag you down. As the book of Hebrews says, you can lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets you. You don't have to let your past define you. You can, you know, you can be humble about it. You can be uh, in, in, in a sense, you can be practical about it. You can say, yeah, that's what happened. And I've learned from it and I've moved on from it. Uh, I was upset, you know, at the time and, and now I don't need to let it control me anymore. Now I can move forward and walk in newness of life. And I think that's very important for us to understand because a lot of times that's kind of what we cling to. We cling to our past. We cling to the mistakes that we've made. We cling to, uh, what the world calls us. Listen, you are not what the world calls you, but you are what you answer to. Because if you answer to it, that means you believe it. If if you've lied to people and, and you know peop- the world calls you a liar, well, that may have happened, but that doesn't mean that that's who you are. You can always start right where you're at and you can be who you really are. One more time, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you can tell the truth starting from here and going forward. You can always choose. My Bible case says, God allows U-turns. And I always say, and I believe he encourages them. You can always start right where you're at to get onto the path or the way. You don't have to keep going the way you've been going just because it's the way you've been going. You can, you know, you can make changes in your life. And and really, as we're hopefully seeing today, the way that we do that is by letting God into your life, by drawing close to him or drawing nigh to him. Um, James chapter one, verse eight, we're going to read, uh, we read, you know, we read that passage in James chapter four. And now I want to back up to verse one, uh, chapter one, James chapter one, verse eight in the King James reads, 
A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're caught between, you know, God and mammon or God in the world, if you feel like you have a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder, and they're both constantly pulling you in opposite directions, that's so hard. That, you know, Paul wrote about this too when he wrote about a man under the curse of the law when he said, the things I want to do are not the things I do, and the things that I hate to do are the things that I do. And and a lot of times I know that we feel like that in our lives, like we feel like we're, we're caught in a trap. We feel like, you know, no matter how hard we try, we're always constantly failing. We're always constantly making the wrong choice and the wrong decision. We're double-minded, and that makes us unstable in all our ways. In the, uh, in the New Living Translation, it reads, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So let me read 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And the heading here in the Bible says, Do not love this world. This is the whole idea of being in the world, but not of the world. This is the whole idea of shining the light, even in the darkness that you find yourself in, of, of redeeming the time, as the Bible says, in another place, in this corrupt generation. Uh, and before I read it, you know, the key to this is, as always, just do your part. You don't have to change the world. If you love somebody, and I mean truly, truly, honestly love somebody with that sacrificial agape God love, you may not change the world, but you will certainly change their world. And that's huge. If you can change the world for one person, then you've done something so important and so meaningful. But the way we do that, it, it's not by going around shoving Jesus down people's throats. Because when you try to shove something down somebody's throat, they will choke on it and gag on it and they will vomit it up and, and they won't want anything to do with it. You're not giving them a good feeling about it. You're misrepresenting God to the point that people will run from him instead of running to him. And the whole point of this whole rant today is to help us to understand that we can always run to him. First Peter Chapter 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I love that verse, and I love that idea. I love that concept, and I love that truth. Cast your cares on him, because he cares for you. Let go and let God. Give it to God. God not only knows the answer and the solution, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the way it's going to go, and he knows the best way for it to go. So instead of trying to go your own way, instead of trying to forge your own path, instead of trying to make things happen in your own strength and power, just give it to God. Let him do what he's of a mind to do. And that's what we're going to, again, like I said, uh, at the end of this, to close it out, I want to talk about um, uh, hopefully a very practical way to do this. Uh, spoiler alert, it's it's just simply letting the mind of Christ that's already in you be in you. But let me read, like I said, let me read 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love this world. It says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It's basically, it's the difference between, you know, uh, I once heard a comedian say, uh, happiness in life is just is just moments. 
uh, in his opinion, it was a cookie or a cigarette or something very, you know, very small, like a burst. It was like, oh, I'm happy for a second. And then, you know, you move on to back to the grind, back to back to the the, the hard times of, of your life. But I don't think that that's how it's supposed to be. And I don't think that that's how it has to be. I think you can find joy in, a, in any situation, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. Like I said, even about work earlier, uh, instead of having a balance between work and God, just bring God to work with you. Just, you know, and, and I do that when I'm when I'm listening to podcasts at work. I, I have some, you know, different uh, things that I like to listen to. Some are about TV shows, some are about, you know, whatever I listen to music to. And I listen to uh, podcasts kind of like this one that I make. I have a couple of different preachers that I like to listen to. And uh, it just, you know, it helps me to, to stay focused and stay grounded. It, it, so it's not like a separation of church and state per se, but it's just simply praying without ceasing. It's simply having God involved in everything that you're doing. It's, you know, have, living a life of uh, living a life in the light rather than saying, well, if I do some things in the light and some things in the dark, then I have a balance. You're not supposed to have that kind of balance. That's that's not that's not good. That's not anything. The balance that you have is is uh, knowing, believing, understanding, receiving, releasing the love of God every second of every day in every situation, always knowing that you are loved by God and always giving that love to those that are around you. It's not about getting things. See, what he talked about in the first couple of verses in this passage we read is getting things. Don't don't tr- don't try to get things. Don't try to don't don't crave things. Uh, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. I wanted this, so I got it. Now I have it, and now I'm proud of myself. That's not that's not what it's about. That's not what life is about. That's not what love is about. What it's about, and again, you know, he goes on to say, this world is fading away. Those things aren't forever. Those things are temporary. That that comedian who had that idea of just temporary little bursts of happiness, that's not enough. That's not enough for me, and I don't think it's enough for you either. And I'm not saying that, you know, everything you do is is going to be super fun and immensely pleasurable. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, even in the midst of, you know, your darkest times, there is a light that shines. And his name is Jesus. His name is love. So we don't have to ever be in a place where we think God is far away from us. When we draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to us. When we come close to him, he comes close to us. And the reason that that is, is because he's always there. He swore he would never leave us nor forsake us. You know, Jesus said uh, in another place, he said, wherever two or more are gathered, I'm there in the midst of them. So it's not like he's far off. It's it's not like you know, you have to, to place an emergency call and then wait for him to, to show up. He's always right there with us. This idea of drawing nigh into him is this idea of acknowledging him in our lives. It's this idea of, okay, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but I am the kingdom. And I say we are the kingdom because not only are we in the kingdom, but since the kingdom is the realm where the king rules and reigns, and since the king of kings, Jesus, rules and reigns in us, since we are the kings, that he is the king of kings over, uh, we wherever we go, that's where the kingdom is. You don't have to go somewhere to be in the kingdom. Wherever you go, the kingdom is with you because the kingdom is you. So in order to draw nigh unto him, we don't have to 
go anywhere special or, or really do anything special. We just simply have to acknowledge him in our lives, which is what my last verse for today, Romans chapter 12, verse two kind of says, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In the King James, which I, I didn't search out today, it, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the key here to me is being transformed into what we've already been transformed into. On the cross, the transformation took place. This is not something that we need to go from, uh, you know, sinner to saint. That already happened. That already took place. Um, even when James uses that word over and over, when he talks about uh, cleansing your hands, sinners, I think he's doing that kind of like as a more of like a shock treatment as like, like trying to get people to see that what they're doing is not working rather than defining them that way, which, which I still don't necessarily like because uh, if, if you've read my book about the sin issue, it, it's what we do is not the issue. Our sin consciousness is the issue. Being conscious of sin is the issue. Thinking of ourselves as sinners is the issue. Because, you know, you are what you eat. You are, like I said, you are not what the world calls you, but you are what you answer to. So if you think of yourself as a sinner, then that's almost like giving yourself an excuse to sin. Oh, well, I, you know, I'm just a sinner. So it's no surprise that I did that thing I wasn't supposed to. Well, okay. But also, no, you're not a sinner you've been saved by grace and a sinner who was saved by grace is not a sinner anymore. He's a saint. So we need to stop looking at ourselves as the old man. We need to stop looking at ourselves through an old covenant mentality. We need to stop looking at ourselves as sinners and see ourselves the way God sees us. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. And when God looks at Jesus, he sees you. When he looks at you, he sees his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. So if we can get to the point where we can stop looking down on ourselves when we can stop struggling between who we used to be and who the world, you know, tells us we are. If we can stop conforming to the world or again, copying the behavior and customs of this world. But if we can let God transform us into the new person that he has already transformed us into. See, in the beginning, God created us in his image and likeness. But the problem was, is that it was dark and void and we we couldn't see we didn't know what that image was we didn't know what god looked like so we didn't know what we looked like and then jesus came and told philip if you've seen me you've seen the father and then after the cross we see that on the cross god conformed us to the image of his only son so instead of being conformed to the world we've been conformed to the image of god's son so it's, it's simple. I don't want to say it's easy because sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you don't feel like God wants anything to do with you because of the choices you've made and the things you've done. I understand that. But it's simple for us to draw nigh unto God now because we know that he lives inside of us. He's as close as he could ever be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and hear that still small voice of God that says, I love you with every beat of his heart in our chest. And that's how we are transformed into what we've already been transformed into. That's how God changes the way we think. 
It's about letting the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us. It's about using the mind of Christ. It's about learning God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's about understanding that he doesn't have any bad thoughts for us. He doesn't want to punish us. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, make things hard for us. He will chasten and correct us as any good father will do to his, to his son. But that's for our learning and development. That's not for punishment. I'm, I get so angry. I'm hard to bother, but I get so angry when I hear religious people talk about the righteous punishment of God, because God is not in the punishing business. God is in the forgiving business. But just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you want to let them continue on that destructive path. So you show them a more excellent way. You chasten and correct them, but you don't, that's different than punishing. But that's a whole nother deal for a whole nother thing. What I want to end on today is the ability to draw nigh unto God in any situation comes from that renewing of our mind. It comes from having the mind of Christ inside of us. It comes from being able to uh, transform into what we've been transformed into, or, or as the New Living Translation says, letting God transform us into what he has already transformed us into. This is not a work that we have to do. This is a revelation that we have to come into as God reveals himself to us, as he shows us who he is and what he has done. And the best way for us to understand who he is and what he has done is by drawing close to him, by by spending time with him, by giving him rule and reign in our lives. Not by being pulled in two different directions, not by, you know, sometimes listening to the angel on your shoulder and sometimes listening to the devil on your other shoulder, but simply by casting your cares on him and letting him care for you. Don't be double-minded because then you'll be unstable. But let the love of God that's inside of you rule and reign. Let it follow your heart, man. Your heart knows what to do because your heart knows to love in every given situation. If we loved in every given situation, this world would look so much different than it does right now. So I just want to thank you guys. I'm blown away by the support. We got a ton of new listens uh, recently. So I want to thank you guys for that and just, you know, keep it up and I'll see you next week. Thanks guys. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen